I'm Chris from Play Comics, a show where we look at video games based on comic properties and how well they stick to that source material, a part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other astonishingly geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. Welcome to episode 242 of Better Podcasting. On this show, we close up 2020 by finishing with our annual tradition of my year-end gear review. In this week's Better Podcasting download, we gather another word-based editor into our podcasting quiver. R.I.P. Arrow. And finally, in this week's Better Podback, we answer your questions about my gear. Lauren, start the show now. Welcome to Better Podcasting. With a combined history of over a thousand episodes and starting as early as 2008, we are hobby podcasters through and through, just like you. That's why we are different. We minimize the money talk so that you can focus on building a better podcast. Here are the hosts for the show, Stephen John Drew and Stargate Pioneer. Welcome to an all-new episode of Better Podcasting. I am Stephen John Drew, and with me, of course, is SP. Hey, Stephen, how are you doing tonight? This is a very special night. It is our last recording of Better Podcasting for 2020. Stephen, it is your last recording podcast-wise of 2020, unless you do some special projects. And it is my penultimate recording of 2020 because I have Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. tomorrow night. But this is it. This is closing out the year for us here in Better Podcasting. I thought you were about to say it was my last episode of Better Podcasting ever. I thought we were going to wait to announce that. (laughs) I think, yeah, you leaving Better Podcasting (laughs) is something that we probably shouldn't have said. Can you edit that out, please? Oh, come on. You know, it goes with the gag, goes with the gag. Uh, We are here to talk about podcasting and continue on this week with the second part of our annual gear arc. If you missed the last episode, episode 241, We ran down the things that I had purchased the previous year, and you can go to that episode and find out why we do this at the end of each year. Won't go into that again this week, but I do want to just highlight at the top of the show here, we usually ask if you've got a How I Save My Podcast story to send that to us so that we can share things that have gone wrong with your podcast, how you fixed it, and share that with the audience so that we can all help each other brainstorm when things go wrong, because if you think outside the box, you can sometimes solve these problems that come up. We don't have one of those this week, but we would love if you would send us in a audio or video clip. If you want to email that, you can go ahead and just send it by text as well. We would love to hear what has gone wrong with your podcast so that we can include that in a future edition of the How I Save My Podcast segment. Now let's go ahead and move on to that SP gear segment. Every year since we started Better Podcasting in 2015, we've ended with a rundown of each of our podcasting gear updates. Last episode, Stephen gave his year-end summary. In this episode, I'll run down mine. At the beginning of the year, it was pre-COVID for us in North America, and I had the plan of attempting to modernize my setup. Some of the components are aging five years plus old. We've often discussed about budgeting for replacement or upgrade of equipment after three to five years. I also wanted to try to upgrade my road streaming or my recording setup as a mobile, as I have tried to do for years, actually. I've also have an ongoing wish to try out an Electro Voice RE20, which I thought might happen this year. I think I was pretty vocal about it earlier in the year. Finally, I wanted to go a little bit more professional in my ability to record videos with 4K camera equipment, proper lighting, that sort of thing. But 2020 had some surprises in for us. The pandemic and massive adoption of teleworking and distance learning made podcasting gear difficult to come by because it crossed over into those realms as well. New equipment development and production of the new equipment slowed. I was forced to deal with some expensive home repairs as well that diverted my time, attention, and money. Still, with all that, 
I kind of succeeded in some of my goals. I updated my home networking capability. I replaced and upgraded my home internet connection hardware. I tried a few paths to modernize my mobile capability, and I stepped up my video capability game just a little bit. In the end, I have a great foundation to build on for 2021, I think. Uh, so what did I change in 2020 with my podcasting gear? Let's start with the mobile podcasting upgrades that I attempted throughout the year. And the first thing that I did is I bought a Motu M2 audio interface. It's right here in the box. This is the box, but it's actually in the box. I'm not gonna open up the box, but it is in there. At the beginning of my teleworking time in 2020, on March 25th, I actually went and looked at the orders of when I ordered a lot of this stuff. I ordered a Moto M2 from Sweetwater. It was $169.95 at the time. What it is, it's a USB-powered two-channel audio interface. It served as my hub of the Studio C, which became my daughter's distance learning teaching classroom until mid-June, so it was in action in 2020. Unfortunately, what I found is the driver for the Moto M2 is not compatible with a lot of the Windows-based video teleconferencing and video recording programs. What do I mean by that is I was only able to get the left channel to input into the recording and the right channel was not picked up. So yes, it did work with the left channel. It did not work with the right channel. I haven't really heard or seen anyone else discussing this, so I'm not sure if I was the only one having this issue, but it did happen on multiple computers in my house because I thought it might have been the drivers on one particular computer. Tried it with various laptops and my main podcasting computer. The drivers are still on my main podcasting computer right now. I did not, however, try it into any of my mobile platforms. I did not try it into my iPad mini or my iPhone at the time. But basically, it failed. It failed at the purpose I wanted to for a two-channel audio interface I could use on the road to play my soundboard, stream my voice, and record both local channels as well through the quarter inch out into my Zoom H5, as well as the incoming audio as well. So I really wanted to record three channels and I couldn't do it using the Moto M2. That's disappointing. It seems like some of these devices, the drivers have been a problem for potential ways podcasters would use this. And streaming is becoming more and more prominent with such simple solutions that are coming up. And it's just surprising that this, you know, wouldn't do a, even a mix of the two channels. It's, it's odd. Treat it like a left and a right sort of thing. So very disappointing to hear that. And I am alluding to, of course, you know, we referred to these Zoom L12 problems that we've seen before, before the most recent firmware. So it's, it's too bad that you had this problem with, with that. And I've seen it with some other gear as well. The beauty with this, it is USB powered, so you don't have to plug it into a wall. It, so you could use it as an audio interface to go into a mobile device. So there are uses for it, but I can't guarantee that you can use both channels and I can't guarantee that you can use an off-board portable audio recorder like the Zoom H5 that I had in my go bag to be able to record. So I'd been searching for this unicorn for quite some time. I think we got the end answer at the end of 2020, but at the beginning of 2020, when I was searching for, okay, when I go mobile, I want to be able to do this. The Moto M2 was not there. It was used throughout the year. I'm glad I had it, but it did not work for the purpose that I had. Now I'm going to move forward into the next thing that I bought in the attempt to gain this wonderful nirvana of being able to record the way I want to record on mobile. And that is I bought the Zoom H8. This is the new upgrade basically to the H6. I mean, it's a completely new and different thing. I did use it when I was on the road. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But after the failure of the Moto M2, I moved on to this when it came out. I ordered mine from Sweetwater on September 9th, 2020 for $399.99, along with the Zoom BTA1 Bluetooth adapter for $29.99. So all told, this was like a $430 purchase plus tax. I took the Zoom H8 to my family's lake home in Wisconsin in September to test it out and possibly record some podcasts with it. I was excited because of the advertised podcast recording mode plus the Bluetooth. It was an, and still is a step up from the Zoom H6. It has on board a total of six XLR inputs with a mix of combo jacks and XLR only jacks. 
with a new capsule suite to go along with it. It still works with the old capsules, but there was a lot of new capsules that were developed for it. Unfortunately, this is where Zoom, in my opinion, I want to stress in my opinion, is primarily a music hardware development company, and it failed to understand how the Zoom H8 also would be used for podcasters and want to use it for devices like the H8. And we were learned to learn a, a few weeks later that they actually did get it, but they had other devices. I was just disappointed that there was no USB interface capability to use in the podcast mode. It does have a podcast mode, and that's what I was one of the things I was excited about it. But there was no ability to use that USB into the computer. It was just all on board with the H8. So you had to do a local recording or do some creative mix minuses with your connection device that you have, which I was already doing. So I just didn't want to do that again. I was also disappointed to learn that there was no USB mix minus capability in any recording mode, including the multi-track recording mode. And I did confirm that with Zoom. We talked about that on the podcast earlier this year. So while the H8 is a step up from the H6, it fails in its usefulness for me. And in my opinion, a lot of hobby podcasters. And for the price, there are other better options so when I returned from the lake at the end of September, I put the H8 away and I have not used it since. I wanted to get back to a video to explain my uses of it and why I don't think it's a great thing for most hobby podcasters, but I haven't been able to record that for reasons we'll get into later. So bottom line, best purchase ever is what I'm hearing. We'll talk about that <laughs> later. Yeah, this, this little thing. Uh, it's not little, first of all, and it has a unique look to it. A lot of people chided that it looks when it was plugged in like a spider and something like that. I think that's actually cool. I mean, if you have a, a gear uh, that only has so much that you can do with it functionally, you might as well make it look kind of cool. And I think they did with the H8. So I will put that in the plus column for the Zoom H8. All right. So Stephen discussed this last episode. I'm not going to go into incredible amounts of detail with it just because I actually haven't opened it, but I'm going to discuss the Zoom PodTrack P4 now. I will just say that for the price, I think the PodTrack P4 is an amazing piece of gear and it was the unicorn that I've been looking for for several years. It fits the needs for most home hobby podcasters, in my opinion, and I'm glad that I actually have it in my hand. Now, I ordered both Steven and mine Zoom PodTrack P4s from Sweetwater as part of the combo podcasting deal for $319.98 each, which did include the $199.99 for each PodTrack P4. So that's how much these are worth brand new, about $200. And I sent one to Steven as soon as they arrived on October 10th. So October 10th is when... I actually had my hands on both of these. I think I took some pictures, Stephen. I'd have to go back and look at my phone of the two PodTrack P4s together. So unfortunately, we haven't used them together like I had intended by now, but we both have them and we both have plans to use them in 2021. So the PodTrack P4 finally fit the mobile need that I had been searching for for years with the multiple inputs and a USB mix minus plus the multiple headphone jack out. Uh, the limitations of the PodTrack P4 include a limited recording bit and sample rates, which I think would be an easy change in their firmware, but I haven't seen any change that they have planned. And the inputs are XLR only. There's no combo jacks, which means it's more difficult to put some sort of processing in it, like through the DBX286XS, which outputs in quarter inch out. Still, if I were starting again today, I would grab one It solved so many issues that earlier podcasters have, and I still have to open mine and, and play with it to give it a proper re review, but I like it enough already to say I'd buy it again, and it would be part of my starting gear package. Absolutely. And Steven, I don't know if you would put it in your starting gear package or not. I mean, the Samsung QGU and the microphones like that might be uh, the first thing, but this might be the second thing I would buy. I'm looking forward to giving it a shot for sure and seeing what uses we can have for it. So I definitely think there's going to be all sorts of uses both of us are going to have. And I think there might even be some hardware that we tuck even further into the bin of storage. 
Yeah. And that is something that I've been working on when I redo my office as well. You talked about it last episode. I have plant. I don't have concrete plants. I haven't built a shed in order to store all my uh, unwanted podcast gears, but I even thought about selling some of the older stuff. But then I think, well, since we review stuff from time to time, might as well have it around. Okay. So that kind of closed the loop on my mobile podcasting unicorn that I, I wanted one piece of gear to record and do the USB interface on and do multiple items with. Uh, it's, I think it, and it also has an onboard soundboard. So I think most starting podcasters, it would work fine on. The next category that I want to look into here is my home networking. Everyone's home network is different. Your internet network is different. Some people only use their mobile devices or hotspots for internet connection or the 5G connection. Some people have DSL connections. Some people have broadband cable internet like I do. Some people have lightning fast fiber connections like I think Steven does. Or do you have cable? Are you able to get all that bandwidth through cable? I don't know. I have fiber. Okay, so you do have fiber. I was right on that. Uh, Some people use a satellite connection like the Starlink beta that's out there or like systems. So the very different types of internet that you can get at home for your podcasting use. For me, the best internet for the best price I can get to my house is broadband cable. So what is this? A coaxial cable comes into my home and runs into my office In my office slash podcast studio that I'm sitting in right now, that cable then connects to a thing, a device called a cable modem. That modem then converts the internet signal into an ethernet jack or cord, which I choose to then link into a wireless router to provide internet to the rest of my home through Wi-Fi. Now, in retrospect, I wish I would have paid to install ethernet connections to each room in my home when I had the home built in 2003. But that's nothing that I can change today. So it's just more cost effective for me to go to a Wi-Fi system. And because my home is so large, and it's not a mansion by any means, but it is 3,000 square foot home, I was forced to install several Wi-Fi extenders to make sure that there was acceptable signal everywhere in the house. So that's the basis of my internet connection. Now, an internet connection is necessary to me to podcast because of the way I podcast. I stream live like we're doing right now. We do it via video. I have to upload and download files. And yes, you can podcast without an internet network, but it would look so differently than what Steven and I do. And that's okay, by the way. There are lots of people that podcast without a home internet or the way that we podcast. I don't know that you could do it entirely without an internet connection with a remote co-host, but we've talked before about how potentially if you didn't have a stable connection, you could both record on either end and just communicate via telephone and stitch it together in post. So yeah, there's absolutely ways, like you said, that you don't need this sort of stability with podcasting. And not everybody has internet available to their house. Like if you live out in the boonies, you might just not have internet and You'd have to find ways to do it just like that. So this year, for better or for worse, I had the wonderful opportunity to upgrade everything with my home internet, which did affect how I podcast. So I'm going to go through this. The first thing that happened is in February, after three years and three months of service, my portal router, which is recommended to me by our Gonna Geek co-host Chris, which I stand by that recommendation even today it started dying and his had died a few months earlier. Now I did order the portal router on December 10th, 2016. So it was three years and three months after I had it installed that it started to go bad. So this kind of fits into the construct of every three to five years, some of those key components you have to look at to start to replace. So on February 15th, which was pre-pandemic here in the United States and North America, I ordered not one, but two of the Eero 5 Pro Wi-Fi Mesh systems. What does this mean? This means that each package that I have, and I had two of these packages, they're so big that it's kind of scoping me on the screen right here. Each package contained three Eero 5 Pro nodes. One, two, three. What's on the front of the package is actually what was in the package. I bought each of the packs on sale 
for $399.99. So yes, it was pricey. 400 bucks per package. I bought two packages. But for the first time ever, I had a completely connected home. It was on a singular network. I didn't have to have any Wi-Fi extenders, which I had at least two in my house that I had my hands on earlier today. And the Eero Pro nodes come equipped with Ethernet ports. So you can hardware device, hardwire devices into the nodes instead of using only Wi-Fi to connect. Why would you want to do this? Well, it's still a Wi-Fi connection to the node, which is out in the rest of the house, but it helps reduce Wi-Fi traffic on my own network, which in my house with all the wireless devices that I have does help decongest the network indeed, because I have well over a hundred, possibly 200 Wi-Fi networks. Wi-Fi devices on my network, when you take a look at all the smart devices, all the streaming devices, all the mobile devices and everything, it gets up there when you're talking about it. So as much as you can deconflict those bands, the 2.4 gigabyte band, the gigahertz band, not gigabyte band, gigahertz band, the 5 gigahertz band, the better off you're going to be. Now, it worked flawlessly until a couple of weeks ago, and that was the first indication I had with another issue that we'll talk in a minute. But before we get to that, I just wanted to note that Eero has since launched their Eero 6 system. And if I wanted to replace my Eero system with a completely new 6 system, I have the 5 system. If I want to go to the 6 system today, it's going to be a little bit more pricey because the Eero 6 Pro System 3 pack, which I just had with the 5s, is $599 today. So all told together, if I got six nodes, it would be $400 more. So instead of $800, it'd be $1,200 today to replace everything. But fortunately, Eero has made it really simple. And if one of my Eero 5 Pro nodes, mesh nodes would fail, I would only need to replace that one node at a time because Eero 5 and Eero 6 mesh systems are completely compatible with each other. I just wouldn't have some of the higher end newer functions on the six that are on the rest of the five network. So I'm, I'm good with that. It's going to be pricey. It's going to be more pricey over time. But again, I did not have a ethernet wired home. So I am working from a handicap right there. Now, the other thing that I was so blessed to deal with just a couple of weeks ago, actually, was my cable modem started to go bad. So my Eero system was acting up a couple of weeks ago and I was like, what is going on? It was the system was unavailable for minutes at a time. It was recycling. I couldn't log into it. I couldn't see the health of the system. So I started troubleshooting. I ran a continuous ping test from my podcasting computer, which was OK. And for those that don't know what that is, I'm just sending a ping out to a stable source. And Google usually is pretty stable, although they had a little bit of tough time this past weekend. So I just send a continuous ping and it comes back and that's called a ping test and you put it on a loop. And if it doesn't come back, then that's considered to be a lost packet. So I ran this ping test originally and it was okay. So then I called my cable internet provider who said the network didn't have any dropouts. I took that with a grain of salt because, you know, sometimes they do have problems and they just don't show it in the system yet. So I restarted the Wi-Fi network, the Eero Wi-Fi network. I ran a health check when it was up. It was fine. It said everything's fine. But then I set up to do a continuous ping. It was literally on my screen, ready to go. All I had to do was run in here and hit return so it would start running when the Wi-Fi network dropped. Bingo, I found it, lost packages. So it was, which would be obvious because the uh, Eero network was down. So I connected into the PC from the PC to the modem directly, and I still had a few lost packages. So this is now an indication that I have a bad modem. And I had the Aris Surfboard SB6190. We talked about that last time. I'm actually holding it in my hand. It's in the box. And this is what it looks like. This is the modem that is the basis of internet in most homes that have cable broadband is a cable modem. Whether you rent one from the cable company or you buy one, it's still got to be there in order for you to get internet. Some have Wi-Fi. I don't recommend having Wi-Fi because that's two things that can go bad in one device. So I replaced it with this Aris S33, which is brand new this year, uh, broadband cable modem. I was able 
by some miracle to source it that day from Best Buy. They're either sold out or unavailable in a lot of different places because it's brand new and because a lot of people are looking for network equipment because they're teleworking. I hooked it up and voila, no internet outages since, but I'm still monitoring. So I just want to make sure it's not my Eero network. Uh, it's simple to replace with any cable network, really. If you do buy your own cable modem, just in case it's something that you're looking at because you're podcasting, you want a more stable uh, connection, maybe a, a higher quality connection than your cable internet provided modem can give you. Uh, some cable internet providers don't charge you. Mine does. So I ended up saving money over the course of the last 51 months by buying my own. And I'm going to save money over the long term, even though this was $170. So I just want to throw a big shout out to internet guru Jason from the Creative Brain Candy Network in our Discord. He pointed out that the SP6190 isn't such a great modem after all, since it has a known faulty chipset in it at its hub, which is the Puma 6 chip. We talked about that before, but that is a big change in my network. And coupled with the Eero system, that's just a complete change. So I have a completely new internet here going into the holidays of 2020 than I had in 2019. And I have to say that musty smell is gone now when we podcast. I, I used to smell it all the time. <laughs> and that's probably something that you removed from your office. Oh, okay. The next group of stuff that I want to talk about is podcasting audio replacements or, or trials. And as I said before, this year I had high hopes of being able to upgrade my audio, perhaps get that Electrovoice RE20 that I wanted. Sadly, that did not happen, uh, nor did a replacement for my current podcasting hub audio stack happen. I mean, I have a Mackie Pro FX 16V2. I record into a Zoom H6 using mix minuses, and I have a DBX286S to do digital processing on my microphone. I did not change any of that this year. I did, however, have to replace my speakers. Now, they're not just speakers like Stephen talked about last week. They're reference audio monitor speakers, and they're typically used in podcasting to mix and edit sound because they have flat frequency responses. They tend to give equal emphasis on all the frequencies in the spectrum, so you can really hear the different levels without distortion like you can hear bass without it completely absorbing the rest of the sound these are great for helping to eliminate buzzes high pitch interference and low hum levels they can also be better at isolating uh, somebody that has a bad mic or something like that so i would highly advocate if you're going to podcast for a while and if you're going to edit using speakers get yourself some even middle of the road like i have podcast monitor speakers. They're called monitors because flat frequency response, but don't confuse that with your monitors that you're using on your computer. They're monitoring the sound. That's what they're, they're used for. So on Black Friday of November 25th, 2016, I purchased my JBL LSR 305 5-inch monitors for $99 each, and I published an unboxing video on February 20th, 2017, and then I put it into my studio. Now, in June of this year, of 2020, I noticed the right speaker had been blown. And I went through some troubleshooting, but it was definitely the right speaker. It was blown. It wasn't any of my other gear. And it was affecting my editing with a real low rumble sound. And honestly, it was vibrating my whole desk. So I decided to purchase a replacement. I did expect a lot of home construction in my office at the time because of uh, water leaks that were going on in the wall that's right behind me. And I might be removing my studio around in the house because of that in the next year or so. So I elected to replace with just the upgraded versions of the same JBL speakers. And I ordered them on July 6, 2020 from Sweetwater. They're the JBL 305P Mark II monitors. They're $149 each. I'm going to hold up the box here. It's pretty big. And it's heavy because it's got the old monitor in it. But here is the new box, and this is what it looks like. So I was able to install those. And right when I installed them, I noticed that this sound was slightly different and the frequency response was slightly different. But once I got used to it within a week or two, it's just the natural sound I hear right now. 
I will say I would love to go up to eight inch monitors, but they won't fit in the shelf that I have them, the bookshelf that I have them mounted in. So all I can do is five inch speakers. And eventually I plan to upgrade to higher quality five inch speakers, but it's going to happen after all the construction is done in my house, in my office. And I don't know if that's going to be a year or two years. I don't know how long that's going to take, but they're going to be the speakers until the construction is done. And then I'll get a higher quality speaker. So I, I just don't want to mess around. I don't want to break them when I'm moving. I don't want dust to get in them. That sort of construction dust, drywall sanding, that sort of thing. I, it, carpet laying. I just don't want any of that to affect them. So I'm going to wait until the construction is done before I do that. I look forward to finding what you end up getting because you have some experience now with studio monitors and I, I trust your opinion. Okay. I've been looking at some and researching them, but we'll get to that in the future. Now, another thing that I got along the audio era is the Zoom ZDM1 microphone. I'm going to say ZDM1, but in my mind, I'm thinking ZDM1 because Stephen has ingrained that into my brain right now. Uh, Stephen kind of covered this last time in his dented box that he had. I honestly haven't taken it out of the box. I haven't had a chance to deal with it at all. But I will say in 2021, Stephen and I plan to use them, possibly do a comparison, maybe with the Rode PodMake, maybe use them with the PodTrack P4. I don't know. We'll see what we can do. I know there was a lot of interest in them, and we will continue to look into uh, microphones that are large diameter microphones in the $100 range, because that seems to be the nirvana that everybody wants right now. I also, and this is almost a stretch to deal with podcasting, but it's not quite that much of a stretch because I've both heard and seen people use these for podcasting. I got myself a pair of Apple AirPod Pros. I did not get them for podcasting. I got them because um, somebody in my car stepped on my old Bluetooth headphones that I was using to work out and I needed new workout headphones. So I thought, well, if I'm going to buy new ones, might as well get the Apple ones just to test them out and see if they're all that. Guess what? They are all that. They might not be the best things out there. I know a lot of people say they're the best things out there. I just will tell you they're pretty good. The active noise cancellation is amazing when you're tuned into a source that it can take out like lawnmowers. It can take out a lawnmower. Oh my gosh. It's like I'm not even mowing the lawn. A uh, gas lawnmower, not an electric lawnmower. Also, using just one earbud in without the cord is pretty awesome. Just, you know, having one in my left ear. I do have fit issues with my right ear, and it's my right ear. That's the one that's messed up anyway. Uh, the dang thing keeps on popping out. I can push it back in easy enough, but it just keeps on popping out. So if I have one earbud in, it's usually the left one because the right one keeps on popping out. And I simply can't have them on my ears too long because I'm prone to ear infections. We talked about that on the podcast before, but for what they are, if I'm running or listening to podcasts or I have to talk to somebody like in the gonna geek quote unquote zoom call that we did for the Christmas special. Yeah, I'll have these in there and they actually sound pretty good. And I can only imagine how good the next generation ones will be not the big expensive over the head ones, but the next generation of AirPods. I just can't wait. The microphones are going to be amazing on them. I have a hunch. Let's move on to video. This was something that I really wanted to put emphasis on on 2020. I didn't get there, but I got partially there. So we'll talk about what happened. Uh, so one of the things that I wanted was a mirrorless video camera, like the Sony A6400, the A6600. And I wanted to do some advanced 4K video. I wanted to be easier to record and get the file off so I could do some immediate editing. But like Steven, this year, I also needed a new phone. My iPhone 8 Plus was three years old at the time. The camera was good for 2017 when the phone came out, but they are much better. And I will call them pocket cameras available today because the phone is in my pocket, right? And the battery for the 8 Plus wasn't lasting as long anymore. So this year when Apple did their refresh of their iPhones, I picked up an iPhone 12 Pro Max. Here's the box for it. And here's the case on the it right now. So I actually have it in front of me right now. And when it came out on Friday morning, it was Friday morning at like eight o'clock. And I was, I was home, I was teleworking and I, I told work, don't bother me until 8.30. And they're like, why? I was like, I'm ordering a phone. If you cause me to lose my phone, I am just, I'm not going to be 
very happy with you. So everybody left me alone for like two hours that morning. It was great. They're like, did I speak at his phone yet? Can I talk to him? <laughs> yes, yes, you can talk to me. So literally the first five minutes I had it ordered, I was back to work. Here's what it will do for podcasting. I know Steven talked about his Pixel that he got this year. Basically, I should be able to shoot 4K video easier because of the three lenses. It's going to be uh, an easier shoot with lighting to be able to get that. I have more storage on this one, so I don't have to about losing videos. And that did happen with the iPhone 8 Plus a couple of times where it simply ran out of storage. And instead of saving that file, it just dumped the whole file. So I never got any recording at all. Uh, I can record and edit audio on it, but it's really no different than my old phone in that perspective. And I don't do that anyway. And to, the bottom line is I've talked about this before. I'm not sure it was worth $1,500 or $1,400 that I paid for it, but the camera is pretty amazing. I've taken some great night shots of the sky with it. And that's, we've talked about this before on the Guinea Geek Network. The reason to get this phone is if you're doing advanced photography and video, like professional grade level. And that's what I kind of wanted to do with the video production. So I'm kind of glad I have it, but I would still, I mean, in the back of my head, I'm like, maybe I should have gotten a pixel and then gotten the Sony camera that I wanted and have the best of both worlds. I don't know, but I'd still, I had to stay in the iOS architecture because of my sister. So I don't know. And also, I'm not going to hold all these up simply because I can't, because they're too big. But I went nuts when the sales came out and they were talked about on our Discord server for ring lights. I bit the bullet every single time I bought one. And I haven't unboxed a single one of these because I haven't done any video that is worth it. Now, I don't need them for uh, work teleconferencing calls. I don't need them for podcasting, but I would like to use extra lighting when I'm doing unboxing or gear reviews or something like that. So I have three ring lights. I have a 12 inch, and I don't know how to say this. It's A-P-T-O-Y-U. So it's a 12 inch ring light that I got for $25. I got a 10 inch newer for $20 or $21 basically. And I got an 18 inch newer for $63. Like I said, I haven't opened these yet. And when I use them, I'm worried if I use them head on, I'm worried about the reflection in my glasses because I'm old and I need to wear glasses now. So I might convert them and use them as corner lights instead for video projects so I can deflect the light off so the camera can't see the reflection in my glasses. So I could do that. Um, we'll see. And by the way, my daughter wants to start a YouTube channel. She still hasn't. She told me today she hasn't yet. So whatever I don't use, she's going to get, you know, the ring lights are interesting because, um, I have a few opinions that some people might not like about ring lights. However, I think from a functionality perspective of if you are going to set up somewhere really easily and you need some light, I think that it's great because especially if it ties into whatever apparatus you're using to hold your camera or your phone, like let's say you were all of a sudden like, I'm going to do a little segment in my garage here for better podcasting and talk about the garage acoustics or something like that. It would be easy for you to set up a ring light with your camera um, all together and let yourself have decently. And so I think that those are, are really good uses for a ring light. I'm not the hugest fan in a permanent or semi-permanent setup in uh, like a space that you're regularly podcasting in and using a single ring light. And then that's the key, single ring light. If you have multiple lights, that's okay. Which, by the way, let's move on to the next item. I got, and it, um, I, I'll actually open this box a little bit so you can see what's in it. It's newer, and they're LED lights. They're desk mounted uh, lights or tripod mounted lights that are square that you can use to light a video. And there you go. Kind of see them in the box. I'm not going to take them out of the package, but basically you can use them uh, for a multi-point multi lighting system. So I have those, I have the ring lights. I actually have my full photo shoot case as well that I used because I was the designated professional Christmas photographer this year because oh our professional photographer got COVID couldn't come over okay well 
So I just broke out my stuff and everybody's like, ooh, wow, you have all that stuff? Yes, every time we go through this, yes, I have this stuff, we can use it. So I used my new phone in the lights and I think it turned out pretty good. Uh, there was some shadowing that I wish wasn't there, but if I had used some of these extra lights in different places, I would have gotten rid of the shadowing. And that's the sort of professional quality that I want to start getting into the better podcasting gear videos. And hopefully with all this stuff that I will get I will take it to the next level and I'll get back up there talking about other things to take it to the next level. I actually ordered some new backdrops and table co uh, coverings, So it's more, it looks like more of a professional presentation rather than a cobbled together thing on the kitchen table should make the videos look more professional. I hope, uh, they were gray and blue table display cloths basically. So if you go to a conference, you see display cloths or display uh, tablecloths on on tables that make these folding tables look like these really elegant, you know, uh, banquet hall tables, and they're just you know covering up the the stuff that's underneath. So I've got a couple of those that'll make it look better. I also got a new black backdrop. I have one. It's somewhere in this house, unless one of my kids took it with them, and I just can't find it. So I bought a new one. And then also for 2021, I mean, Stephen had this long section of stuff that he wanted to improve on in 2021. Right now, I just have a small section. I mean, the RE20 is still up there for a microphone, but in the process of taking the pictures over Christmas or for our Christmas holiday card, which we st I still have to order, uh, <laughs> I destroyed my tripod that I've had for a very long time. It oh, no. wasn't an expensive one. It wasn't a cheap one either, but one of the legs gave out. So I need a new one. So I'll be on the hunt on that in 2021 if I don't actually purchase it in some post-holiday sales, which might be the case. I don't know. You know, some camera equipment goes on sale after the holiday just because people are trying to get rid of gift cards. So if I could score a good sale there, that would be good. But, you know, that's the changes that I made in my gear in 2020. A lot of boxes, uh, some have been implemented, but not all. And I look forward to 2021 over 2020 because I'll be able to delve into some of this stuff and, and really get some stuff done. I like where you're headed. I like the changes you made this year. And I think in retrospect, looking at both last episode and this episode, I think that uh, we should pat ourselves on the back. I think we had a lot of functional changes overall this year. I think we were we, we stuck to a lot of uh, maintenance and other functional stuff. Yeah, we didn't talk about it last episode, but I re distinctly remember a conversation that you and I had like in the April timeframe, April, May timeframe. We were like, I don't know what our gear is going to look like at the end of the year. I don't know if we're going to be able to fill an episode for our gear at the end of the year. Maybe we should do a combined one. I mean, we do you remember that conversation? Yeah, absolutely. Because we were talking about with the whole biweekly format. Well, we can't have the only December episodes being gear we have to add some variety in there well maybe we can combine and yeah no absolutely i think that we we behaved ourselves until life threw us lemons and then we made lemons <laughs> that were squeezed <laughs> we made squeezed lemons so yeah I, we we actually did a bunch of stuff in 2020 that uh, were, was unexpected to be honest with you and I, I'm glad of the foundation that we have for 2021. And I really look forward to 2021. And I want to throw this out to our audience. If you guys had some gear that you had uh, equipped yourself with in 2020, either new purchases or necessity replacements or something like that, you want to let us know, please let us know. We'll talk about it in a future show. We'll throw it in the better pod back. And we want to make sure that we highlight your show too. So make sure that you tell us what your show is, and uh, we would love to talk about it. That's for sure. Let's go ahead and move on to the Better Podcasting Download. This is the Better Podcasting Download. SP, you found this here, and also people prefer to hear you speak over me. So let's continue that path and turn it over to you to talk about the download. <laughs> it's just because you haven't done any research on this and you don't know what it is. Oh. Yeah, he's nodding his head. Yes. Uh, so what happened is in our discord, Randy Walker posted a comment on December 7th and he said Descript competitor from TechSmith and he posted a link. So TechSmith has developed this editor, this audio editor that does it by word. It's called Audiate, A-U-D-I-A-T-E. 
And it's very much like Descript. We talked about Descript before, which is spelled D-E-S-C-R-I-P-T. And instead of, of editing audio by the wavelength, you actually put words out there and you edit it. And I've seen and heard demonstrations. I've wanted to do it. It, it basically automatically develops a transcript in the process too, but it was the only kit on the block. Well, now there's an alternative. Audiate. Save time, sound professional, the easiest way to edit audio. Audiate makes recording and editing your voice as simple as editing text in a document. And honestly, Stephen, we talked about this before with Descript. For a new person that doesn't know how to edit audio, this is kind of a godsend sort of thing, because then you don't have to learn how to edit audio the way we do through the waveforms. But on the other hand, I think it hinders you a little bit because you don't understand the basics of how the audio is being edited anyway, because there are things that you, if you take out words, if you combine words, you have pitches that you have to deal with, you have spacing that you have to worry about and that sort of thing. If you don't understand that, you might be asking these programs, the software packages, these applications to do things that aren't possible. So if you use one of these and you make a couple of changes, you're like, wow, that doesn't sound right. There are reasons why it doesn't sound right, because your voice fluctuates and changes as you're going through a sentence. And what you start out sounding like is not necessarily what you're going to end up sounding like. So you can't take the N word, throw it at the beginning and expect it to blend well. You can do, there are, sometimes you just can't, but there are ways to do it with adding space in there or taking away space, depending on how you want to do it, or maybe taking a word from a completely different part of the recording and throwing it in there. So you lose the ability to think that way. And maybe that's not a bad thing, but I think if you're going to edit audio as a producer, you should know how that is done behind things. Maybe I'm just a, like I said this before, <laughs> fuddy duddy and uh, want my old ways, but I don't know, Stephen, what do you think? Yeah, I think there's probably pros and cons to this. I have not had a chance to try it, so I can't say for sure. So, you know, like I'll reserve judgment because I don't want to comment on the actual product, but there is also something that needs to be considered from a pricing perspective, because I know that you said that that I didn't know anything about it, but I did. I did a little research. And while I was talking. While you were talking. And uh <laughs> it cost about $397.49 Canadian per year for for this. So that's uh, that's a big ask for something like this. Well, if you're gonna spend the money to do something like um Adobe, that's an annual cost too, right? Yes, it is. But um, I think for hobbyists, there's other alternatives out there than Adobe. That's fine. The other thing that we haven't really gotten into is the whole transcript thing. So we don't take that into consideration when we make our decisions. I'm just putting that out there as a qualifier. So uh, if these automatically throw out transcripts and if that is something that you are using, then that might be worth it. But again, I think there's other ways to do that. It's a steep price for a hobbyist is the bottom line. And that's not to say it's any different than Descript. Descript also has quite a bit. And, you know, like when you're looking at that sort of monthly cost, you got to think about this is my hobby. Am I happy with that monthly cost? Or am I willing to spend a little more time learning something that will cost me less in the long run? And could I put that money towards somewhere else in my podcasting endeavors? So it is quite a bit. And I I think you make a good point there about the transcriptions. But at this time, and I think the way things are headed with Google indexing and things like that, I don't know that they're a hobbyist should put a lot of stock into dis, uh, transcriptions for their podcast. Which is why I agree with that, which is why we don't talk about it. <laughs> um, I, I would put this in kind of the same realm as I was talking about at the beginning of uh, Audacity versus uh, a non-destructive editor. Because if you learn in Audacity, it's one way to edit, but most of the other professional editing softwares out there are non-destructive and it's a completely different way to do it. And 
it's difficult if you are on Audacity, which is free and available and, and, and that's all good for a hobbyist. But if you're stuck on that for a long period of time and then you try to go over to something like Reaper, you're like, what is this? I don't understand it. And then it takes you a lot longer to get versed in that and, and vice versa. But I, I think that this would put you in that same handicap as Audacity would, because if you then go into the professional editing suites, you, would, you, you wouldn't have a clue. That's a good point. We'd love to know, have you tried anything like this? Get in touch with us to podcast at betterpodcasting.com or come over to our Discord at betterpodcasting.com slash Discord. We would love to have you over there. Let's go ahead and move on to our Better Podback. This is where we here at Better Podcasting turn the show over to you as we run through some of your feedback. We call this segment Better Podback. We'll go ahead and the better pod back this week, wrap it up with the same questions we were asked last week because it's SP's turn. And for those of you who did not know what those questions were because you made the wise choice to ignore my episode, uh, Original Waffles said, for both, what has been your biggest gear buying regret outside of buying something only so you could review it? And SP's missing beard said, what gear are you looking to replace in 2021 and why? Well, Chris over there on Play Comics, he's Original Waffles, and thank you very much for asking the question. Really appreciate it. I, If you've been listening closely, it is no surprise. It should not be any surprise. Now, I've talked before about my biggest regret being starting with the gear that I started with, which was the Behringer 1800s, XM 1800s, and the Behringer 802 mixer, and I regret that because it would have been a lot easier and simpler and better, in my opinion, to start out with the Audio-Technica ATR 2100. So until this year, I would have said that is my biggest buying regret. This year, I can confidently say that my biggest buying regret, because I did not just buy it to review it, was the Zoom H8. <gasps> it's very capable, very capable, just not the capabilities that I need. And it was a lot of money. And do I regret spending that money on it? Yes. Yes, I do. I have buyer's remorse, serious buyer's remorse on this because I don't believe that for the way I podcast, this is worth a hill of beans. So earlier in the chat, because if you didn't know this, we usually stream live when we record the shows. It's often on Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. I had said in the chat room, prediction, Zoom H8 equals SP marks it's this as his best purchase ever. Guess that was wrong. Yeah, I mean, I, I need to qualify. Like I, I qualified it when I said it before. It is very capable, and Zoom makes a lot of great stuff for musicians. Very capable for musicians. And if you're in the same room recording mobily, you're going from place to place. I think there are other better options, but this is a great fit for that. Is the best fit for the price for podcasting? Probably not, but. I don't want to say it's it's just a piece of junk because it's not. It just doesn't fit the way that I think most people podcast. Now, unlike the PodTrack B4, it actually has different sample rates and bit rates that you can use and, and different recording capabilities in the file format that actually make it a better recorder, but it just doesn't have the mix minus possibilities on it that you would need. And, and that's a big detriment. We have a question in the chat from Liberty Dude, and he's saying, now that you've done the gear episode, are you going to sell it, SP? That's a good question. Well, I still have to do the second video. I, I still plan on doing that. So it's got to be at least to that point. But uh, yeah, that, that actually might be, this might be the first piece of gear that I sell. Uh, however, I, I probably would like to keep it around in case my last remaining Zoom H6, which is in my studio, goes bad and I haven't done what I'm going to answer my next question with uh, yet, and I need something to replace it. And a question for you that I, because I want to take a moment to dance on this now that you've had it for a little bit. Um, do you regret not doing the return like some of the listeners had emailed or messaged in to you? No, I don't, because I, I literally used it. I used it for the two weeks that I was on the road, so I, I just don't feel comfortable in using a piece of gear for two weeks and then sending back in. I, I don't. I, I mean, if I use it for like two days, I might think differently. 
but I literally use it as my audio interface because you can use it as an audio interface. It's just no mix minus capability on it and for recording. You can't use it as an audio interface and record at the same time. And I did use it as an audio interface. I used it for work. I think if I remember correctly, we even had a call during those two weeks. I can't remember. Maybe it was to try it out. I, I don't remember, but I did use it for two weeks for work. I was very excited setting it up and then it just didn't work. And I was like, ah, and then I had a bunch of work I had to do at the lake. So I was like, no, I'm, I'm just not going to do it. So no, I don't regret not returning it. I know a lot of people would. I felt like I got use out of it and heck there might be even some scratches on it from when I was using it. I don't know, but it's literally been in this case ever since. So I haven't opened it up since September. And the second question was, what gear are you looking to replace in 2021 and why? I am looking to replace my, and I said it during the main episode here, my gear stack that I have with the two DBX 286Ss, my big Mackie mixer and the Zoom H6, all that could potentially be replaced by a more advanced roadcaster. And we've been talking about this all year. I've been looking forward to the, not the roadcaster pro, but the next generation. And Zoom kind of came out with the P8 this year. And I consider that the next generation. It doesn't do it for me. So I'm waiting for something else to come out and replace that. Whether it's the roadcaster pro version two, whether it's some other company like Mackie finally gets into the, to the same realm and does something similar. I'm looking for that, and that will give me some options to be able to take this away from my desk, gain some desk space, add some bigger monitors, uh, maybe add a riser in so that I can have the audio gear below and the monitors risen up a little bit. Uh, so that's where I want to be for 2021. I don't know if we're going to get it. I don't know if the pandemic is going to cause further developmental and production delays. I don't know if those other companies are ready to make that jump. And honestly, I don't know if the market is there to have the P8, the L8, the L12, the L20, and the Rodecaster Pro and something else for podcasting. I, I don't know if there's enough buying power out there in podcasting to say, yes, we can support five versions of this. Because it, it, in audio, it's a musician's game still, even today. So what you're saying is that you still are sad that the Podcaster Pro never happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could say that. That's fine. I'll, I'll run with that. Well, thank you very much for answering those questions, SP. And thank you, more importantly, to those who did write us about that. And most importantly, thank you to everybody who has listened or watched this podcast over 2020. Uh, we've said many times, it's been a rough year for us, and it was especially hard for us as hobby podcasters to keep going during some of that time, but you kept us going. Your feedback kept us going, and it felt like every time there was just like weight on our shoulders on something, there was the right email or the right Discord message or the right tweet that came in to put a little more wind in those sails. So thank you to everybody for making this such a, I will say, fun-ish year of better podcasting. Because let's be honest, it was a fun year for better podcasting because we tried some different things. We did the better podcasting live chat and, and it was your involvement that kept us going. I don't think I've ever mentioned this before. One of the best parts of my day is when I'm in work and I, I can't have my phone with me. So at the end of the workday, I walk out to my car, which has my phone in it, and I turn on my phone or unlock my phone, and I see all the messages that have come in throughout the day. I actually read them all in my car. I sit down, and unless I'm really late, I sit down in my car and I read those messages. And a lot of it's from Discord, but some of it is from Twitter and some of the emails that come through. Um, I read those Discord servers the channels and it, it actually is the best part of my day because i'm like wow this is this is cool that there's this community it's digital community but there's this community that i can pop into and 
that is talking back and forth to me, y'all recognize that I can't be on Discord throughout the day. And I know so several of you can't either, but I cannot be on Discord throughout the day because I don't have access to it through my work computers and I can't have my phone with me. So when I get out to my car, that's when I go back to the Better Podcasting community, the Goody Geek community, get into the Discord server, get into those uh, tweets that come back and forth. And it really makes my day. I can go home happy. I can go grocery shopping or do, run my errands on the way home. I can get in the right headspace to work out a little bit better and it just can go into podcasting from there. And it means the world to me. So thank you very much for doing that. It, it really has not only made this year, but previous years, that community has, has made it well worthwhile. So thank you very much, Better Podcasting listeners. All right. On that note, for episode number 242 of Better Podcasting, I'm Stephen John Drew saying, if you like a podcast, Send a little positivity to that podcaster. It keeps the hobbyist going. And I'm SP saying, make your goals for 2021 because it's coming around the corner and we will see you all year long. Bye. Bye. Thanks for checking out another episode of Better Podcasting. You can find the full back catalog of Better Podcasting at betterpodcasting.com. If you're into geeky podcasts, please check out the other podcasts on the Gunna Geek Network at gunnageeknetwork.com. This show was produced and edited by Stephen John Drew of Gunna Geek Productions. Voice work was done by L.W. Salinas. Thanks again for listening or watching, and we hope to see you again next week.